Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark, and this time it's a welcome return from episode 69, all the way back then, back on the book club for Jules Boyle. Jules, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Eamon. Well, you're very welcome, and I, I apologies because last time, of course, I messed up the audio settings, leading uh, Wally Russell, I think, on the forum to describe it as you sounding like you were speaking down a megaphone, a bit like Marky e. Smith in the fall. Yeah, hopefully I won't quite sound the same again this time. It sounds okay so far, fingers crossed. So I'm going to give you free licence to retell us all those UCAC stories that were buried in the static last time. Um, but let's get <laughs> let's get straight to it. What's the book you've chosen today? It is um, Slaying the King, which is a in the reprint sort of um, stages, I think is the third book in, in the series. Um, obviously, I read it in the progs, so the Glenn favourite ones. Excellent. So I have got uh, the digital version, obviously written by Pat Mills, although there's a little bit of Angie Kincaid in there. Art by Glenn Fabry, David Pugh, Mike Collins and Mark Farmer. There's some Nick Williams. I notice it's lettered by Steve Potter, edited, obviously, Steve McManus. And it includes the stories Tomb of Terror, Spoils of Anwin, Slain the King. There's also the Killing Field two-pager by Angie Kincaid. The Slain miniseries and the You Are Slain game is in there as well. And I know from pictures you sent me yesterday, you've got your trade is a signed copy, isn't it? That was that's that is just uh, the Glenn Fabry one. Um, that's the old Titan book. Um, right. I've actually got the digital copy. Well, I'll get the pro. So I'll get the copy. But yeah, that's just the old Titan book came out um, and back in the day, and that's just got the, the Slain King uh, itself, uh, which is a nice reproduction. It's nice on the digital one, but there's no, nothing else in it. And I should say that uh, this is progs. We're in the 400s from 447 onwards to about 591. And this is 1985-1987. So why this volume of Slain? I mean, there's one particular reason why you might have chosen it, but in general, why this this volume of Slain, uh, Jules? Um, I think, to be honest, this is kind of my favourite era. Um, it, it seems, obviously, after a while, everyone really got into um, the Horn God with, with the Bisley art, and that seems to be the the gold standard for slain and and for a lot of, for a lot of people the, the prog itself. I prefer this. I prefer the black and white stuff that came before. I prefer the actual story. I think Glenn Fabry's art has not really been equaled in the prog since. And there's just, there's just more to it. Do you know what I mean? There's more more imagination and more things going on, and it's just got a lot more engaging. I think so. It's just yeah, yeah. yeah this is sort of my from my favourite era, the 2000 AD, and it's definitely my fa- definitely my favourite era, Slain. So, okay, so just give us a quick sort of rundown because I say there's three, I think, three main sections to this collection. What are those adventures for Slain? What's happening? Um, well, first of all, it's it's, it's kind of a weird collection because kind of there's quite a divide in the in the in the tone, and it's and it's halfway through this. Book sort of thing. Um, well, first of all, it's Tomb of Terror, which is formed directly on from Time Killer. Um, I mean, literally directly on, and it's just they've got to the they've got to the the city of the the of Grimnismo and the the sort of the elder gods, the Lovecraft and elder gods that were sort of hinted at in Time Killer, um, and they have to sort of work their way through um, because Grimnismo, the the, the ultimate dark god, Cthulhu essentially is waking up. Um, and they have to work their way through that. It's essentially just like a sort of dungeon bash, really, um, which was obviously supported by the 
um, the role playing except sort of thing at the end of each prog. Um, but it is, a, I mean, there's, it's not a huge amount of story to it, but there's a lot of really great stuff in it and some great art from Glenn Fabry and David Pugh. Um, and then there's very much a filler story, Spoils of Anun, I think was it was told you to premise it in the prog. Oh, right. Um, which is, and that was joined by Mike Collins and Mark Farmer, uh, which is really nicely drawn as well. And that's just, Slain does the, the 12 Trials of Hercules, basically, um, but in a, a Celtic style at, at Glastonbury. Which is actually really good and it's really enjoyable, but it is it feels very much like filler before uh, to give get Ben favourite time to draw Slain the King, which came in probably five hundred, and that was it's only like a ten parter, and it's absolutely just stunning, and that's just again Slain making his way back to his tribe finally and seeing how decimated the whole thing is, and everyone's had their noses cut off and they're all totally beaten down, and Slain comes back and is chosen to be the new king uh, of the tribe. Uh, and it ends pretty much with, with, with that announcement, uh, and that's it really. Or obviously you've got the the role playing uh, elements as well. That's all stuck at the back in the sort of collection. Um, so if you want to actually play along with it, you need to flip between the two. And as you mentioned, Prog Five Hundred, which we've just done, Bad Company that started in Five Hundred, and Slain the King starts there as well, doesn't it? It's an it's an epic time. It's a, it's a huge time. It's, it's kind of like it's like the, the last um, golden age of the Prog, I think, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, and it had that lovely uh, glossy cover with all the different artists doing the different characters, and yeah, there's just there's just loads in it. It's just a really you know a great time in the Prog sort of thing, um, and obviously Slain the King had been touted for a long time so finally seeing it was it was pretty something at the time if I remember and I have to I mean I, I confess I sometimes get a little bit confused with the timeline and some of the stories of uh, Slain um, particularly the Tomb of Terror one which as you say is a little bit carried over from the last volume we did but when he gets to Slain the King it seems that's that's real rollicking great stuff and of course possibly without spoiling it too much the best art in this particular volume I think isn't it? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, it's I mean, you know, as, as far as I remember, it took um, it took Glenn quite some time to draw it. I mean, yeah, it's famous slow, but there's there's reasons for that because he's famously astonishing art as well. Um, his artwork in Tomb of Terror, Time Killer, when he was when he first came into into the prog was it was incredible. But I just felt like the Slain the King just took the whole thing to another level. Would like every page just looked something really, really spectacular. His his facial work, which is always really good at was just on the next level his dy- dynamics and his storytelling everything just was really amazing again when you when you read it back there's not a huge amount of story going on um it's, it's not the most massive narrative going on and it is only 10 parts but you, you kind of almost don't notice because it just looks so amazing um which is that which is a feature of slain uh, most of the time um but yeah it's, it's really something uh, I, th- I think it's kind of probably probably the best part of slain definitely and I notice he sort of announces, you know, the, the new, the new story with a title page in Prog Five uh, Five Hundred, Ucko on the back of some sort of um, elk-like creature, and it's just, it's an astonishing page straight away, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. It, it just felt, um, even even for the, by the Prog standards, um, there was just something. So next level about it. I mean, there really was. It was. It wasn't the most. It was. I wasn't. Didn't feel. You know, the Tomb of Terror was very much an action sort of. You know, story and and spoils and then again was it was you know that kind of thing. 
Slaying the King, it just it's quite. I mean, there is action in it, but there's not a huge amount. You know what I mean, and, it, and it's quite a serious story, and it just, it just the whole thing felt, as you say, even with that first page. You know I mean, it's not like a big, you know, dinosaur, you know, fighting the slaying or whatever, you know, that sort of thing like that. It's just, it felt very, almost real world as, um, as real world as something fantasy like that can get, but. Yeah, yeah, no, it was really, I mean, they were really setting it, setting their stall out with that one, I think. And remind us, um, let's get into some of the stories. Tell us, uh, how did you come to be pen pals with Glenn Fabry and David Pugh at this time? Eh, it was kind of just a bit weird. It was just my friend, my friend who's never really had boundaries either. Um, we, we used to go to all the sort of comic conventions in Glasgow, obviously, back in the day when all the creators would just you know, turn up and, you know, not charge you for sketches and talk to you all the time and they would just wander about as well. So you could just rattle up and have a conversation with Brian Talbot or, you know, whoever, you know, I mean, whoever was there, my man. And we were big fans of Brett Ewans at the time and he'd never come up here at, at, at that point. He, and he was doing a convention in Birmingham or something and my friend just wrote a letter to him, care of the Birmingham, you know, town hall or whatever, wherever this Comic Mart was going to be and just wrote this thing, uh, which is just a, a, a bizarre thing to do. And they got him, they gave him the letter and sent him it. Uh, and, and Brett got back to him and, and sent him some uh, original artwork uh, without being asked and just sent this thing. Uh, and he sent him the first appearance of Venus Blue Jeans in Road Trooper in From Heart to Eternity um, that he drew anyway. Um, that, that amazing page of her walking out, out of the lagoon, which is a half page he sent him. Uh, which was just mind blowing, and uh, he was so nice. But it was such a lovely, lovely geezer as well. So I thought, right, I wasn't looking for anything like that. I just thought I want to write to, and I, I was only like twelve or something. Uh, and Glenn Fabry was obviously my absolute hero and favourite artist in the world at the time. So I just wrote him a letter um, and sent it to the Nerve Centre and said to Glenn Fabry, care of Thalg or whatever that. And sure enough, Glenn Fabry wrote back and just wrote back. I actually sent me a page of art, which just blew my mind. Uh, but the, the better thing was he was just he would just write to you all the time and I would write back to him in my, in my little kitty way and he would just send you big long letters and tell you what he was up to and I would ask him tons of questions he would answer them and he was funny and he would just send you bits and bobs and uh, yeah he was just a real gent in a really you know really patient and kind way you know a little wee guy in a, a scheme up in Scotland you know I mean? and he would do that and we went down to UCAC and we met him there, we went down another time, you know, and he would, he would give his time uh, and be just really sort of, you know, a gentleman, really, do you know what I mean? So it was really cool, he like, pulled you into the artist section, private section at UCAC and uh, we met Frank Miller and Lynn Valley there and that was the one Alan Moore was at, we met him there and yeah, it was just a real, a real lovely, lovely fella, um, but it was just, this is at a time when he, when he was doing this this art as well, do you know what I mean? So it was like, you know, being pen pals with one of the Beatles. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so, so that, that, that was Glenn Fabry. And then you just think, well, you know, let's write to other people. Oh, Dave, Dave Pugh is there as well, and he was blowing my mind as well. And what he was doing with Time Killer, uh, to Matera as well, started writing to him. And again, he he was absolutely lovely as well. He was like, very similar. I uh, never met him in the flesh, um, but he, he was really kind and patient with his time as well and sent you back lots of letters and sent me a lovely sketch um, of slaying a, a battle in Elfric, uh, 
able to tell them an amazing thing. It was really lovely. Yeah, and just, just wrote to them quite a lot. Um, and ended up writing to Brett Ewens as well. So, yeah, it was kind of how we entertained ourselves back in the day is writing to, writing to art droids, basically. Kind of simpler, gentler times when artists, famous artists would just send you free stuff. Yeah, yeah, or, or even just, you know, well, I suppose nowadays in social media, you know, that, that's, that's doable as well, but yeah, it was just more accessible, um, and maybe, maybe other ones might not have, um, maybe they all weren't quite as decent as Glenn and David and Brett, um, but it, it was just, yeah, it was just completely doable, and, you know, I'm sure they were busy, um, but they, they took their time to write back to kids that were, that were contacting them, and, and you know, Pestering them in for the questions and you know fan behaviour. So yeah, and very good times. In recent years, I mean, obviously, you know, we've been no conventions now for eighteen months or so. But in recent years, have you got to meet up with Glenn again uh, more recently? No, no, not at all. I, I, I don't really go to them, um, and I haven't for many, many, many years. Um, I kind of just stopped. Most, most, most comic matter stuff like that most seem to be like very not focused on actually selling comics. Um, it's just lots of bunkum and, and toys and people walking about and cosplay and that sort of stuff and a minimum amount of, of actual comics, especially at the, the last couple of events, there wasn't even any progs at all. So I mean, that's right. the thing. We go, I, just, I stopped for me and the actual big conventions and stuff is just... I don't know, it's just never really appealed much because it's just, you know, it seems to be that people queuing for a long time and it pains to to get an autograph of people. And obviously, I don't want to deny someone a right to make a living. Um, although I do think they should probably be paid by the actual conventions and not have to be doing that. But at the same time, I'm not really that fussed about getting things signed, really. Do you know what I mean? I'm right. Each their own. Not here for me. So I'm okay, not. So it would be nice to actually meet these people and see Glenn if he was here and that sort of stuff. But it's just, it's just not my sort of thing. Eh? Although I do deeply regret not going to the Glasgow one at Carlos was that a few years ago. But apart from that, yeah, it's just not for me. So unfortunately, it's just, it's not really come up. Okay. So let's go back to the writing for a moment, and Pat, um, because you mentioned it's a bit Dungeons and Dragons at the start with Cthulhu, but then he gets, it seems to me, he gets into his interest in um, Celtic mythology, which of course is going to become a big thing when we get to the next book, which is The Horned God, of course. But, you know, here he seems to be exploring that Celtic mythology and legend stuff that he's just used as the basis of so many slain stories. What did you think about that when that sort of moves out of the Tomb of Terror? Um, yeah, well, it was kind of like, it was kind of, obviously it was kind of going back because that's how slain started. It was, it was all that sort of, it was very much the Celtic um, myth reworking, reimagining. Um, if you remember, there, there was like a, a Celtic glossary really early on. It might even be in the first prog at Slain was in, maybe 3.30. If not, it wasn't long after it. So that, that was always there. Time Killer and To My Terror were more like a, more like a diversion um, and a weird sci-fi mashup type stuff, which to be honest, I, I you know I know some people weren't keen on, but I absolutely love. Um, so it was more going back to the straight, you know, the straight Celtic fantasy sort of thing. Um, which you can tell Pat's really into it, um, and he's done a lot of research on it, and he, and he is bringing a lot to life. Uh, and, it, and it really works, do you know what I mean? It's, you know, obviously it's just, it's more barbarian stuff, do you know what I mean, in the, in the Conan mold, but it's, it's something a bit different, it's, it's quite unique. 
and it's quite educational as well. I mean, obviously, as I say, I was, so this is what, 85 by this point, sort of thing. So I'm like 12, 13. You never heard any of these things, um, any these concepts or these names even or stuff like that. So obviously there was no, there was no Google or internet type of things. So yeah, actually, it was quite educational to learn even the existence of a lot of these concepts and these ideas while still being wrapped around that, you know, a, a decent story and, and an entertaining story. But, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot to it, do you know what I mean? And it's a, a bit more than your average, you know, your average barbarian knockabout type of thing. Um, and, and also just the, like in the spoils of the noon, when he's doing all the trials and it's, you know, Pat's introducing all those sort of concepts. Uh, you know, a Celtic sun god hero and all this, these kind of things. It's not just you know, go and bash the monster, go and do the dungeon thing, or, or, you know, you didn't think it too many again and again and again. Um, it has to show humility and shovel up the dung of the Minotaur. It has to do these different things. It's not just because that's what a Celtic sun god is. He's got two different elements to his character and he can't just be this. So that kind of stuff is, is really, really interesting because it's not just your usual type of stuff. And again, again in, a, in a comic character, it's not just your usual punch the bad guy and do the bit. There's something quite cerebral and thoughtful about it, which is which is comes for the comes for the Celtic myth. It's not just the story. So yeah, so the, there's a lot of good ideas going there. Um and that carries through up until Slaying the King, the story itself and that, you know, with all the tribe and the you know the, the actual the, the stories of the you know what what happened with the tribe and the, the, the myths that he's got incorporating with the 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 tribes. So yeah, there's a lot of really interesting ideas growing there beyond just a good story, which is what you're after, really. And I know one of the things, of course, is Pat always felt that his wife at the time, Angie Kincaid, got a, a raw deal from 2000 AD and 2000 AD fandom. So it's nice to see her turn up for at least to do a two-pager, which is in this trade. Do you know how that one came about? No, I don't know. Um, I, it was literally the first, the only other time. As far as I know, it was the only other time she's got a credit. I, she, she gets a co a co creator credit, which obviously Pat fought to make sure she had. But I mean, obviously, she drew the first chapter in Pro 330 um, under the name Angie Mills. Um, and I, you know, I think the genesis of Slain was quite painful and took a long time to come about. Again, though, I, th I think that's, that's the reason why. Slain was my favourite strip at the time because it was because of her art in the first chapter. Um, for some reason, I just latched on it and it absolutely blew my way. And until he came about, that chapter was my favourite of any anything in, in 2008 ever. It was that one. So, but I don't. Th you know, I only found this out in, in much later years online. I had no idea. But yeah, as you say, a lot of fans didn't like that as well, and, and really, you know, didn't take to it and thought it was like too, I think Pat said once it was like too effeminate to draw or something insane, like talks like that, I can't really remember, but it was just some sort of nonsense. So her writing, I mean, it's only, the, is it, is it, there's only a few pages of that one one chapter, isn't it, of, of this? Yes. And there's not much, it's just basically him surveying a battlefield almost and then, you know, ominously deciding at the end, he didn't think it too many of this. So I don't really know, it, it, not a lot to it. So I'm not sure what involvement Pat had in it either, uh, but it's, it's it's worthwhile and it's good. But uh, and it's and it's script for her as well, so it's not even art. Uh, so it's a shame we never got more of her artwork. But it is nice to see her get a credit in this one as well. Um, and obviously, hopefully, that means she'll get some more some more royalties as well from Thurg for uh, not just creating it but having a right to credit in this one. 
Good. I hope so, yes. Um, Let's go back to the artwork, because obviously you've said Glenn Fabry, um, slow but incredibly detailed work he was doing on the Slain the King um, portion of the book from Prog 500 onwards. And it is stunningly detailed. There's so much going on in the backgrounds. Um, Possibly, I think, my favourite Glenn Fabry that I've seen so far to do this podcast. Yeah, no, no, definitely. It was really... Even you look at it now, it's just... It just jumps off the page. I mean, every single, not every single page, every single panel has, has got so much in it and so much detail and so much realism. I mean, as I said, you know, if you look at his Stain Killers, they work um, is very similar. It has still, um, he's still got, his earlier stuff still got a lot of the Mebius influence, which which is his biggest sort of thing. And it's slightly rougher uh, and that, so I think it's still amazing and, and it kind of blew away at the time. But you see it evolving through Tumatea and up. And by the time it gets to Selena King, he's just got his own his own style and it's just absolutely beautiful. It just looks real. You know what I mean? It really does look like a real lifelike characters. The the you know, it's, it's that thing people always say about Ken Guire's art, about his facial expressions, um, which is one of his big USPs. Glenn's facial expressions are just I mean, if you look at every single character and every single panel, no matter how small the background, they're, they're doing something with their face. And they've got, they've got, they've got a real face, because obviously he's, he's using a lot of mirror work. And it, there's just something going on in every single one. It's just absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah, and especially at the time, it just felt like some, I think I said before, some next-level version of, of Slain and the Prog. I mean, as you said, Bad Company were in it. Um, there was lots of other Jedi art and 500. So there were other things going on. But this was just something else I mean it was really really spectacular even by his own standards that he set into my terror this was and it kind of felt right for it was the right time for that because to my terror is a, a dungeon bash I mean, a really good dungeon bash actually sort of thing so for him to take his art up to that level for a story that's a lot more cerebral and a lot more thoughtful it felt really appropriate I mean he, he, you know he meets he, he meets Neve for the first time again and finds out he's got a son and she tells him it how much she hates him and how much he's been thoughtless and buggered off. And just that last panel of him standing, looking completely desolate, thinking his fantasy is going back to his tribe and he's taking back his women and it's all going to be great. And he just gets reminded that he's, you know, he's an arse and he's, you know, it's not going to be the fantasy he thought it was. And just that face that Glenn drew for that is just, is just absolutely astonishing. It carries so much emotion. So. And perhaps, I guess, in the wider comic community, best known maybe for his Preacher covers and those incredibly detailed faces he did for the covers uh, there. But as you say, here it is, his faces, um, the incredible detail, the incredible facial expressions that he does. Let's zoom in on one particular page to talk about faces for a minute. Let's turn you to page 191 of the digital edition. Slain carousing um, in in the court with his followers, holding a sort of brain bowl m- cup of uh, of whatever he's drinking, and um, because top left of that panel, that's you, isn't it, Jules? It certainly is. It certainly is. Uh, yeah, um, fro- frozen in time at age fifteen. Uh, yeah, that that is indeed me. Uh, Orsigurne Weaver, um, as uh, Glenn spent many, many, many hours trying to make it not look like. Apparently, so right. Yeah, that is me. <laughs> That's you. 
So how did he come to put you into the uh, into the actual you know inked and printed page? It was it was, it was one of his letters um, which always came in this really amazing green thick rough paper that he wrote in um, with his big clown fabric writing, um, and he just and it was an green envelopes as well. So when one of them arrived, it was like you know like Christmas. Um, and this arrived, and it was like, you know, I think I might still have that one. I think because I, I lost a lot of my stuff when I was younger. Um, and it was, I can always remember it as like, hey, Jules, how would you, yes, you, capital for you, how would you like to be in, sign the king? That was all this sort of thing. He wrote it like some sort of silly advert type thing, and then went in the sort of thing like that and just says, I'm drawing it now, send me, um, send me a couple of photos of yourself, and I'm going to draw you into it, which was just, Mind blown, absolutely. Even even now, do you know what I mean? It's you know, like my friend I was talking about, we're still very good friends, forty years, and we talk about it still now. And he and he still tells me how much he absolutely hates me for that. You know, just like, <laughs> you know, it was absolutely killing me. <laughs> I was like, okay, um, yeah. So I um, my mum took a couple of I just loved for me and my mum at the time. She took a couple of photos of me sitting at the kitchen table, looking fifteen year old, and me and everybody. And I sent it off, and, and it was it was a long time after when it finally came out. So actually, actually, I think it was, I must have been so about fifteen when it came out. So I must have been younger than that actually. So yeah, it's very thirteen, fourteen, and and that's me. And and it's a remarkable likeness. He, he, he obviously it's Glenn Fairbrace, so he you know he's the face master of of drawing. Um, yeah, and that's it. He, obviously, if you pan down, he, it looks like you know whatever Celtic. Clobber that I'm wearing, it doesn't look like I'm wearing some sort of kilty skirt, um, which my friend was um, not shy about pointing out. <laughs> sheer green rage. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, that's me, uh, and that's there, um, which is every time I see it, it's just amazing. Um, bought several copies of the prog that week. Um, I bet. Yeah, they, they set up the, the Titan book. You know, I was walked in one day that it set up to when that before that was published. Um, yeah, and then I was actually going to buy the art off him, um, and and this is sickening as well. Actually, think about. So I think it was, I think he was selling me it for something like sixty pounds, eighty pounds, something like that. So obviously back in the day, you know, artwork was cheaper. Yeah, um, much, and he was obviously being kind and giving me that sort of thing like that. Um, but I, I ended up never getting it. We were. Uh, we were a poor single parent family. Oh no! And, and I, yeah, and I, I was I was going age. I mean, and I just kind of, you know, life got in the way basically, and I kind of stopped even reading comics or writing to anyone, and and you know, without getting into it. But you know, that kind of thing happened, um, and 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 I just, you know, it, it all disappeared basically. So, so I ended up not getting it. As I could, I could still have it, um, but I don't collect artwork or that. But you see the prices, Glenn Faber art goes for, and it's just ridiculous um like crazy crazy money and rightly so um so i do well i should hopefully still have two pcc's art that they gave me which were in storage in a family member's house well i'm saying should um so i do have a page or two of my terror and i've got a big page from a gaming magazine um which yeah, right. is a long a like a double page spread but either it's just slain down one side and then a big long wormy monster type dead thing along the bottom of it um and a co sitting on its head i think possibly um so sort of l-shaped 
piece of art and but there's white in the middle where the text obviously went so so yeah so there is that so that, that and that is something um and that and that gaming art he gave me the a signing session for uh, forbidden planet in london again he, he jumped out the the shop and he got me down for the end of the queue because my dad went down to the front and said Joseph's right up at the back he used to get a train back to glasgow being scottish and he jumped out and probably right down at the front talked to him for a bit and then gave me that artwork that he brought along for me which again for a, for a young guy was just incredible mind-blowing and yeah. on that page 191 there are two or three other characters do you recognize do you know if any of those are drawn from fans uh, no i don't know anything about it i mean the one in the top right um i think is quite clearly um i think i've always thought uh based on Ian brady <laughs> right oh, yes um, it really does. It does look like that. I mean, maybe not, but I mean, that famous photo. Um, yeah. So, so, and that, that, that part for that, obviously, everyone else is, is character apart for the, the the one below. Him, I think must be someone. I mean, it's the maybe my nose, and then in in the middle, it's certainly some sort of Jesus looking for. Um. So, but yeah, but as, as far as I know, it's that's not anything like that. But it might be. Fascinating stuff. And there you are, immortalised on pages of Slain the King. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, we'll come back to those pages in a minute. What about um, the whole saga of Slain? Because, you know, as we record, it's not long since they've probably printed the last Pat Mills Slain in the prog. Yeah. Um, it's Yeah. As I mean, the artwork again, that was Leonardo Manco, was absolutely stunning. Personally, um, I think Slain is really, really heavily overstayed its welcome. Um, the story ended with slaying the King A, the Orn God, that clearly ended, that that was the end of the story. And I think they, they all, they, it's had the arse ripped out of it for, for about 25 years. So, I mean, when, 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 was, when was slaying the King? That was in ninety or something? Um, something like that. 87 so, or so, wasn't it? And the Horn God is 90, is it, or thereabouts? 87, yeah. 80, yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so it was a long, long time ago. Um, and ever since it's been, you know, he's going through time when he's doing this and, you know, I'll fix back and go, it's just, it just feels like it's been spinning its wheels and stretching it out. And, you know, the story came to an actual conclusion, I think. And if you even look at the last few years, it's been just you know, a lot more of the same or, you know, a lot of standing about and speaking and ever increasing Celtic patois of that sort of thing and then there's a fight and that lasts for a few episodes and then there's more chat and it's just it's not really the artwork's always been usually always been something incredible um which which is there but I think it's just the story's just not been you know kind of like Nemesis Nemesis finished at book four and there was a very clear definite end and then next thing it's oh no actually Nemesis isn't who you think it is it's you know blah 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 and it's spins off into something else but yeah so it came to naturally, and obviously Pat said he doesn't want anyone else writing it, which she totally get because it's his characters and, and that sort of thing. Um, if it was in America, that would just happen, and you, you would see a different take on it and stuff. But what we've got, we've got years of you know some really exceptional stories, and then a lot of years of some really exceptional art. Uh, I don't really read after the Horn God over and over again. Uh, I must admit, I have read them all, and I've read them a couple of times or whatever, but they're, yeah, they're not really that engaging, I don't think. So I think it's it's, it's about time it was kind of, not put out of misery, but kind of, you know, allowed to allowed to sort of, you know, ride off into the, into the, you know, the setting sun, I think. It's, it's had its time. Um, 
So you mentioned Nemesis have four books of. If we look at the four collections of Slain, which go up to and include the Horned God, is or are they the high points of Slain for you, these early volumes? Yeah, 100%. They absolutely, absolutely 100%. They, I think I might have touched there earlier on. The Horned God seems to be the, the gold standard with all that, you know, Besley, Frisette, Hart type thing. Um, it's all the one artist, it's all painted, and it, it, it is great um so yeah for, for, for sure that for me that that is that is it but i prefer the stuff before it i prefer all everything before it if you, you know you look at you know um the early stuff in the collection the warriors dawn collection you've got andy kincaid's time monster you've got a uh, billard and ellie doing all that lovely the beast and the brock and you know all the early stuff with the warp spasms you've got mick mcmahon's stunning a uh, new scratchy type art with the shoggy beast and sky chariots I mean, that's just incredible stuff that was kind of him starting to really move away and get really sort of really different um time killer i mean you've got dragon heist which is billard and ellie's beautiful romantic artwork with those amazing dragons um which is stunning as well then you obviously get time killer and that's going favorite day with pew brian talbot doing a bit of bits and bobs it just goes on and on. It's just some amazing stories, amazing art. It's all black and white. It's quite gritty, but it's quite beautiful. And it's just, I think it's head and shoulders above the uh, the Horn God, to be honest. Um, and it's also written for the progs. It's written for five-page chapters. It's got, you know, cliffhangers. It's got sort of, you know, it's got beats. It's got more of a flow. But as a person, I think the Horn God's obviously written with one eye for the collection. At the time, so you know there is bits that just ends. Do you know what I mean, and you know because it's obviously intended to run like that. Um, the first pages a lot of the time that there's tons of panels and they're not really, you know, splash pages or whatever because they're not written the, and drawn with that in mind. It still is incredible though. Don't get me wrong, and I'm a big fan of it. But I do think that what came before it, as I just said, all these things, I think I think it's at a better level. And obviously, I mean, immediately after it, the next thing was. There was more, more, more. Glenn Fabry came up um, after it with um, Demon Killer um, and that sort of stuff. That's in the next book. I, and then sort of Dermot Power finished it off because obviously Glenn was super slow and, and and never got that far, even though it was like seven chapters in total, I think. And then you know, Greg Staples comes in, then Clint Langley becomes you know all these sort of things like that. But as I said, it just starts spinning its wheels and, and you know it's just. It feels it's dragging on. So I think those first, if you're talking in terms of books, those first, you know, three, four books, whatever it is, the four, I think it is, I think they are just, you know, a real high point for 2000 AD and certainly, certainly for Slain. And it does, if you get to the end of Horn God, it ends. Do you know what I mean? There is, there is a definite ending to it. Do you know what I mean? Um, and you, you, it's obviously meant to be an end. You know, it's not like, it's not the end of Halo Jones book three, which works perfectly as an ending thankfully um but that wasn't meant to be then so yes yeah, so it's a perfect start to finish story um and, and then that's kind of all you need i would say okay and in in this third collection is it the slain the king story that stands out of the bunch for you because of the artwork yeah yeah it has to i mean i mean to be honest like tomb of terror is more fun um because it's just a fun dungeon bash and, that, and that's all it is but it's drawn incredibly by Glenn and David, do you know what I mean? So, so that's just really, really enjoyable. It spoils them in as well. It's just a completely different, you know, fork in the road. Um, you know, it shows you kind of what you can do with, with a filler, really, uh, sort of warm-up 
but Slaying the King is just, as I touched on earlier on, it just feels, you know, I mean, I hate that term, folk talk about horror films, like elevated horror, I mean, it's just a way to, you know, fancy things up, not say it's just a horror, but it does feel like it, it was something elevating in the prog, it feels like something, you know, something really, really, really high quality that's taking it further than, you know, a throwaway sort of kids comic, which which it was, and, and, and proudly so, and it should be. Um, but there obviously was a lot in the prog that you could say that about, but this just felt, you know, that very European feel to Glenn's art, um, but it moved his art on uh, immeasurably from what came, even came before. Um, and if I thought he was my favourite artist and time killer, um, it certainly, you know, blew my mind even more with Slaying the King, not just because I'm in it, but it was just, yeah, it's something really, really, really exceptional. Um, so, yeah. It was really great. Okay, and let's play the Grail page game and give you all of the artwork from this third volume. Um, which pages would you choose to hang on your wall to have in your collection? Um, well, obviously, the one I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, and, and that, I would, that would be the answer to, like, hey, which page of any comic art in history would you would you like, would like to own? It would be Glenn Fabry's page that I'm in, obviously. Yeah. Someone isn't and owns it, they might be listening to this, um, and... You know, I'm sure it's thousands and thousands of pounds. I mean, because that's what his pages are. I mean, I think there's one guy in particular seemed to collect lots of them and then crazy money. So I'm never going to win it. So, so I'm cool with that. Um, well, I'm not really. But so other than that, um, again, well, the the Wet Your Blades page from Tuma Terra. Oh, yes. Um, which yeah. Big splash page. Um, and that was one of the... One of the few full-page splash pages that, that had really been in the prog up to that point. I am the the first page of To My Terror is that great shot of the the city, the city, the the, the elder gods, which is you know a beautiful bit of weird architecture. Um, so sort of you know Lovecraftian pyramid or whatever you know whatever influence you pulled into do it. So that that's pretty so, But the, the way your blades page is exceptional, and if I remember, there was the the competition in the role-playing segment at the end um, and you could sort of enter the competition and, and the prize was you could pick the page artwork of your choice sort of thing and, and the kid that won it picked that White Your Blades one, obviously, because it is exceptional. Yeah. Um, so so that's, that's a real standout there, I think. Um, but honestly, I think you could look through like almost every page in, in this whole book, there's there's something good on it. Do you know what I mean? Um, I do really like David Pugh's art of the processional avenue inside the tomb with the giant, you know, statues that are kind of Lovecraftian Egyptian type of thing, um, which is really nice as well. It's kind of, but again, there's there's just loads. Every single page has got, you know, and all David Pugh's first splash pages are all great, but it's just one of those books that, you know, if there's something there for all of them, I think, really. Um, but definitely, obviously, the page I'm in, of course. Yes. Well, we have to give you page 191 of the digital as your page because you're on it. <laughs> um, yeah, totally. <laughs> so we can't restore it to you for £80 pounds or, or more, but we can give it to you uh, virtually. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's just, or, or if you can, if you just wipe the memory of the fact that I should have owned it. <laughs> 
And I will post these images when this episode comes out on all the socials. And I'll pick from Slain the King, I'll pick page 179 in the digital, which is a title page, Slain the King. And it shows uh, Slain and Neve and uh, Kai and Ukko and Gurg sitting around a fire with, I think, the Nucker, the dragon curled around them. Yes. And I think I sent you an image of that on Messenger. And the, the detail on that page, the amount of work he's put into that page. But as you say, there's so many of them that Glenn Fabry has done. There's no wonder he needed a bit of a break to do this artwork. So um, Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, you can see, I mean, that, that page, as you say, it's like, obviously it's got the fire, so that there's not just all that detail of the, the, of the mucker behind them and all the, all the characters and stuff, but there's all the, the light it plays with off the fire. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of sort of intricate sort of angles of light. I mean, it's just yeah, that's it's another one. It's just jaw dropping when you look at it. It is. It is quite breathtaking. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. And just before we drift away from Slain, have you listened to the Horn God audiobook at all, Jules? Um, I have listened to the first few minutes of it. I got I got them all when they came out of Audible. Um, you know, I saw a lot of people complaining that the the, the fact they're only a few hours and they were quite expensive but if you do that monthly thing you, you know you get one credit a month and it's only 7.99 um which i'll advise anyone to do because that makes it a lot more um amenable um so yeah so i listened to some of it um i've just not had time to, to go all the way through it um, i liked what i heard up, up to that point the, the voice characterization was decent um it didn't feel too much like a comic being read out um but I obviously didn't get into the, 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 the full-on action sort of scene, so I'm not sure how the the sound production is. Um, but what I liked what I heard. Um, have you heard it? Yes, I have. I did enjoy it, actually, yeah. I, got, I quite got into it once it got going, yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. No, it seems with what I've heard of them so far, I've liked what I've heard so far, like the Halo Jones one, um, the Brink one as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a good idea. Hopefully they'll, they'll do more. Yeah, I hope so. If it's been a success, then they will do some more of them, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'd be interested to see kind of what they do. Um, I think maybe something like Cradle Grave would work really well or Cabalistics, you know, these sort of things. I think it'd be interesting to hear eh, in audio way. Um, but, yeah, we'll wait and see. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely worthwhile. But, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely do it. Do it in the cheap way if folk are still grumbling because there was quite a lot of grumbling. It's only three hours for 25 quid or whatever. It's like there's other ways. There's cheaper options, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And talking of prices, Slain the King is available for fifteen ninety nine paperback uh, from the two thousand e store or good bookshops, uh, or you can get the nine ninety nine digital, which you and I both got jewels because I think all your collection mostly is in storage, isn't it? It still is, yeah. yeah. I'm actually getting it out at the end of the month, um, weirdly, so by sheer coincidence. Um, and then I, I'm just going actually, I'm actually going to be selling most of it because there's no room in my house, right. and my wife will. Kill me if I bring sixteen thousand comics back in yet. Um, so yeah, so I'm going to keep my progs. I'm going to keep all progs because that's more progs. But yeah, I'm going to go. So it'll be it'll be good to get them back though, when they, they actual get the progs back and flip through it and get that feel in your hand. Uh, nothing really feels as good as in comics as an old newsprint prog. I think. So, no, absolutely. So yeah, so I'm, I'm digital only at the moment, unfortunately. And guest projects time. Tell us what's happening at bigcomicpage.com. Um, I'm not really doing a huge amount for it anymore. Uh, just work has got in the way and my actual day job of writing has uh, is, is ramped quite up. Um, it's still going strong and it's still it's got some really nice good writers in it now as well. 
um, as I always had. So, so that's still, I still do a little, you know, drop in bits and bobs. I was doing a lot of sort of horror film writing for it. Um, so, so yeah, so, but I, I do a lot of other writing now for We Belong Dead magazine um, and the, 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 the big lovely coffee table books that they, they put out. Um, it's a chap called Eric Mendotton that produces them, the really high quality, high standard horror magazines and books. Um, so that's where my sort of fun uh, genre writing goes now instead. Um, and hopefully, well, hopefully it's been long talked about, it's still planned. Uh, when we finally get around there, I'll be putting out more in book of um, British horror films through that publishing company, which was hopefully planned for the end of the year, but I think I'll be pushed into next year, at least with time. So, so that'll be good to do now. First book of stuff out there, um, which should be great. So, be a history of horror, British horror, uh, horror films from the 1930s up to the end of the sort of classic era and the late 70s. Um, so, yeah, reviews and analysis of pretty much every British horror film in that period. So, no small task, but I've done most of it already. <laughs> and I've just found webelongdead.co.uk. Uh, it's the website for that magazine. That is, yeah, a lot of really great writers and uh, great great things covered. Um, they were nominated for um, Rondo Awards there. Um, didn't win. Um, it seems to be there's a different reasons for these sort of things. But, yeah, I would say anyone that's remotely interested in uh, horror horror films uh, of any kind, especially the classic era sort of thing, even up to the 80s, the magazine is exceptional. And the, the books they put, they always sell it really quickly, but big luxurious 400 page coffee table numbers way you know so much so much in them so much content and imagery and design they, they are really exceptional so yeah i'll keep an eye out for them um there's another I think there's five more big books at least coming out this year so yeah very interesting old horror um that's definitely a, a protocol you should be checking out okay i'll put the links to both those sites in the show notes and thanks again, Jules. We've had some scheduling problems. We've had some connection problems. Hopefully, I've got the audio right this time. <laughs> and, Fingers crossed. Yeah, and it comes out all right. And uh, thanks for coming back to talk more about Slane and about Glenn Fabry in particular. Um, Always an absolute pleasure, Eamon. Thanks very much for having me again. And like I say, I still think you're the only guest I've had who's actually been immortalised with his image in the pages of the prog. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Long may it continue. Absolutely. <laughs> And thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. As ever, find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and the 2080 forums, or on the website megacitybookclub.com, or email me mcbcpodcast at gmail.com if you've got a book you'd like to come on and talk about. And that'll do us, Jules. Until next time, when we're passing judgment on another great book, it's goodbye from me and. Goodbye from me. Bye.